Hereditary breast ovarian cancer syndrome is caused by a genetic mutation of the BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene, increasing the risk of breast and ovarian cancer, as well as certain other organ-specific malignancies, including prostate cancer in the male and melanoma. In this session, we will review the patient management of a known BRCA carrier. Hereditary breast ovarian cancer syndrome is characterized by the following features in a family. An early age of onset of breast cancer defined as occurring before the age of 50. A family history of both breast and ovarian cancer. An increased chance of bilateral cancers in either the breast or the ovaries that can occur independently. An autosomal dominant pattern of inheritance is also characteristic of the hereditary breast ovarian cancer syndrome. In other words, there is vertical transmission through either the father or the mother's side of the family. There is also an increased incidence of tumors of other specific organs, including the prostate. Other factors that increase the chance that a family has the hereditary breast ovarian cancer syndrome includes a family history of male breast cancer and being of Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. Once again, mutations in either BRCA1 or BRCA2 are passed in an autosomal dominant pattern in the family. BRCA1 is located on chromosome 17, while BRCA2 is located on chromosome 13. Both BRCA1 and BRCA2 are tumor suppressor genes that usually have the job of controlling cell growth and cell death. Everyone has two BRCA1 and two BRCA2 genes. When a person has one altered or mutated copy of either BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene, their risk for various types of cancer increases. Both copies of a tumor suppressor gene, however, must be altered or mutated before a person will actually develop the malignancy. In hereditary breast ovarian cancer, the first mutation is inherited from either the mother or the father and is therefore present in all cells of the body. Therefore, it is called a germline mutation. As a point of recall, remember that BRCA1 mutations carries an average lifetime risk of breast cancer of 65% compared to the average U.S. population, which is about 12%. And regarding ovarian cancer, BRCA1 mutation carriers have an average lifetime risk of 39%. For BRCA2 mutations, the average lifetime risk for breast cancer is 45% and the risk lifetime for ovarian cancer is 11%. So in general, BRCA2 mutations, while still having a much higher risk than the general population, carries lower risk than a BRCA1 mutation. Lastly, remember that patients who are BRCA2 mutation carriers usually get ovarian malignancy on average 8 to 10 years later than those who have BRCA1 mutations. Whether a person who has a germline mutation will develop cancer and where the cancer will develop depends on where and which cell type the second mutation occurs. For example, if the second mutation is in the ovary, then ovarian cancer may develop. If it is in the breast, breast cancer may develop. 
The process of tumor development actually requires mutation in multiple growth control genes. Loss of both copies of BRCA1 or BRCA2 is just the first step in the process. What causes these additional mutations to be acquired is still largely unknown, but possible causes include chemical, physical, or biological environmental exposures or chance errors in cell replication. Some individuals who have inherited a germline BRCA1 or BRCA2 mutation never actually develop cancer because they never get the second mutation necessary to knock out the function of the gene and start the process of tumor formation. This can make the cancer appear to skip generations in the family when, in reality, the mutation was always present. Persons with a mutation, regardless of whether they develop cancer, however, do have a 50-50 chance to pass the mutation on to the next generation. And remember, as a clinical pearl, that BRCA1 and BRCA2 genes are not located on the sex chromosomes. Therefore, mutations can be inherited from the mother or the father's side of the family. Now, before we get into the specific screening recommendations for a BRCA-positive patient and specifically certain prophylactic measures which can be taken, we have to review other mutations that confer a higher risk of breast cancer. These other mutations include genes like ATM, CDH1, CHEK2, PALB2, and even TP53. Mutations in these genes also confer increased risk of breast cancer, and testing for these mutations is becoming increasingly available. Now that we've laid down that foundation, let's come back and talk about the NCCN, that's the National Comprehensive Cancer Network Guidelines for Risk Management for Women with Known BRCA Mutations, specifically focusing on breast cancer screening as well as risk reduction for both breast cancer and ovarian cancer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about the NCCN guideline for risk management regarding breast cancer screening in patients with a known BRCA mutation. According to the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, patients should be given self-awareness techniques regarding breast self-awareness starting at age 18. Clinical breast examinations performed every 6 months to 12 months is encouraged beginning at age 25. Annual breast MRI with contrast or 3D mammogram if MRI is unavailable is also recommended starting at age 25. Annual breast MRI with contrast and mammography, hopefully 3D, which is preferred, should then begin at the age of 30 up to the age of 75. So once again, annual breast MRI with contrast should begin at 25 and then adding 3D mammography beginning at age 30 up until age 75. 
screening after the age of 75 should be considered on an individual basis according to the NCCN. As for ovarian cancer screening, remember there is no universally accepted method to screen for ovarian malignancy. Nonetheless, according to expert opinion, some recommend annual transvaginal ultrasound with CA125 blood testing, although the NCCN considers this to be, quote, of uncertain benefit, end quote. Nonetheless, level C opinion, remember that's expert opinion, does state that this can be performed after discussions of risks and benefits with the patient and at the doctor's discretion in BRCA positive patients starting at the age of 30 to 35. Okay, let's come back and talk about specific surgical or chemoprophylactic measures for the BRCA positive patient. Okay, before we get into specific surgical or chemoprophylactic techniques, a quick word about lifestyle changes for the reduction of breast cancer. Lifestyle changes that reduce the risk of breast cancer in the general population are considered wise, but insufficient for those with higher familial risks. These include increased intake of vegetables, fruit and fiber, increased exercise, weight management, smoking sensation, reduction in alcohol use, prolonged lactation, and minimizing exogenous hormone therapy. Again, while wise, these may be insufficient for those with higher risk like BRCA-positive carriers. Regarding breast cancer surgical prophylaxis, prophylactic mastectomy or risk-reducing mastectomy refers to the removal of healthy breasts to reduce a woman's risk of developing breast cancer. Bilateral prophylactic mastectomy is the most effective means of reducing a woman's risk. However, the benefits of such surgery depend on each woman's individual risk. Because even the most experienced breast surgeon cannot remove all breast tissue, a small risk of developing breast cancer remains even after prophylactic mastectomy. Although effective, some consider risk-reducing mastectomy to be a drastic way to lower cancer risk. A woman's decision to remove her healthy breast is highly personal. When patients are considering this surgical prophylactic technique, it's important to give them the proper information. Remember, bilateral prophylactic mastectomy is the single most effective prevention method for breast cancer in this population, reducing breast cancer risk by about 90% and breast cancer-specific mortality by upwards of 80%. However, it may not improve overall survival relative to routine mammography and MRI, particularly for women who have already had their ovaries removed. Regarding chemo prevention for breast cancer, two selective estrogen receptor modulators or SERMs are approved for use as chemo prevention in the U.S., the five-year course of tamoxifen by premenopausal women at elevated risk reduces their chance of breast cancer by 30 to 50%. Side effects, however, include risk of endometrial cancer and venous thrombosis during the treatment period, while the protective benefits of chemo prevention last for at least 20 additional years. Reloxifene approved for postmenopausal women is estimated to be 76 to 80% as effective as tamoxifen in reducing the risk of invasive breast cancer, 
with significantly lower risk of thromboembolic events and uterine malignancies. Aromidase inhibitors show substantial promise as chemopreventative agents but are not yet approved for use in the U.S. or Europe. Other potential chemopreventative agents include non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, aspirin, metformin, and COX-2 inhibitors, and these have shown promise in early clinical research, but much more data is necessary. Now, onto ovarian cancer risk reduction. Remember that chemo prevention just covered has to do with breast cancer risk reduction, not ovarian cancer. Surgical removal of the ovaries and fallopian tubes or bilateral prophylactic sapingo-oophorectomy is recommended for all BRCA mutation carriers who are between the ages of 35 and 40 or when childbearing is eventually complete. For this group, BSO reduces the risk of ovarian, fallopian tube, or peritoneal cancer by up to 80% and likely also halves the risk of breast cancer. However, BSO does have the obvious adverse effects of hypoestrogenemia, and this early menopause can have increased risk of cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, and cognitive impairment. Now, as point of recall, remember that you can always go back to the Clinical Pearls archive and look for our podcast on oral contraceptive use, or HRT, following prophylactic bilateral sapingo-oophorectomy in BRCA patients. That podcast was covered just several months ago in August of 2019. And again, you can find that in the archive. That brings us to a wrap. We have covered BRCA1 and BRCA2 genetic mutations. The data for this podcast comes from the CDC as well as the National Comprehensive Cancer Network's data on BRCA patient management. Thanks for listening and we see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Mm-hmm.